0: leader of a church or the pastor of a church is worth his pay what are you talking about rod i didn't think they were supposed to be paid well we'll talk about that in first timothy chapter 5 coming up next good morning good afternoon good evening my name is rod him i'm janice and this is bible discovery tv as we go through the bible in one year and we're looking at timothy we're going to read first timothy 5 in just a moment and talk about it in about three minutes so make sure that you stay there. Right now, Ryan is here, right?
1: All right, well, today Paul reminds Timothy of the encounter Pilate had with Jesus. And even though Pilate was confronted with the truth, he questioned the whole nature of the truth. So, we're going to talk about that a little bit later
0: on. Yeah, that's very very interesting, Ryan, and we'll, I look forward to that coming up in about 20 minutes' time.
2: Janice? I'll take a couple of minutes and talk about the family of God.
0: All right, very good. Now, Richard, you're with us today.
3: Thanks for having me here again.
0: Good to see you. So stay tuned. And we're going to be uh, talking about 1 Timothy chapter 5 right now. 1 Timothy five seventeen through
2: 25. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment— but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 25.
0: December 7, 1941 was a very interesting time when man attacked himself and pearl harbor was such a uh, a deep wound inside of us and it changed us forever began the series of world wars now world war one really did but world war ii was the big one a lot of people lost their lives and first timothy chapter four to six is what we read today as we go through the bible we are reading the bible to learn about jesus christ who teaches us how to not destroy each other like we have in all the wars. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a business. It's not. It does not exist because the state recognizes the organization. It does not. It is a church only because Jesus Christ saved the people who are in the church. Now, remember that the church is not a building and it is not defined by its assets. The church of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, is made up of people who have the Holy Spirit working in them because they have committed their lives to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, too many people today see the church as an organization. For unbelievers, that's expected. But for believers, it's a clear sign of ignorance. Now, the Bible clearly tells us that the head of the church is Jesus Christ someone who is dead and rose to life in the flesh and fills the hearts of those who have invited him into their life to forgive their sins and rescue them from the ravages of hell the church is defined by the lord jesus christ we need to pay attention to that because as we begin to focus on 1 timothy chapter 5 verses 17 to 25 managing the church becomes interesting jesus christ is the head of the church So how do we manage the church? And there's all kinds of people I could, I mean, there's all kinds of things I could say, but let's hear what the Bible says. That's the most important thing, the word of God to hear long before this country ever thought about being a country. The Bible has always been. So help us, Father, today in Jesus' name to talk about your people. Help us to hear what you say about managing the church, how you've talked to Paul and Paul wrote to Timothy exactly how to operate in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, make it so, Lord. Amen. All right. By the way, amen means make it so. So there you go. All right. As we focus on this, let's draw our attention to verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor in the word and doctrine, the word and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. That's fascinating. You see, the role of a pastor or elder or overseer in the church is worthy of pay. Those leaders who work hard through preaching and teaching should be provided for. God said to us that laboring in the word of God, reading the word of God, meditating on the word of God, understanding the Bible, the, this is an important thing that we need to do, that we that the leaders need to understand. Because when leaders come to the pulpit, when leaders come to teach the word, they have to teach it, having spent time with the word, and in the Holy Spirit and repenting themselves and asking the Lord to change the way they think because that's the way the Lord works. God is communicating through his word to us. We need to listen. And leaders, may I say to you, if you're a church leader, a pastor, or a leader of a ministry of some kind, you need to spend time in the word. The word has everything we need to understand. We need to read the word and bring to the pulpit Nothing but the word, only the word, not pop psychology, not weird stuff. We need to bring the word of God, especially today. First Timothy chapter five, verse 19 says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Two or three, absolutely. (laughs) Accusations against a pastor or a leader in the church should only be heard if it is well established between two or three witnesses. Social media or gossip is no way to deal with any accusation. I got to tell you, I have never seen such gossip as I have seen, I mean, in social media. It is incredible. Never have I seen such a proliferation of The untrained mouth, as I have seen in social media. Beloved, we need to, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to pray and ask God. James said our our tongues are empowered by the devil himself. We need to give God our tongues. And we need to say, Lord, help me to speak well. Oh my goodness, that is so important, especially right now and especially today. And pastors should not be attacked by people, but they should be people who are carefully living their lives, as 1st Timothy 3 says. And when they are attacked, it has to be established by two or three. And my suggestion would be three. Very important, beloved. Keep that in mind. All right. Let's get back to the scripture. 1st Timothy chapter 5, verse 20 says, those with those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other person's sins. Did you get that? Keep yourself pure. Paul says to Timothy, keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be seen. Cannot be hidden, I should say. Now, this is important. Some sins are clearly seen. Others are not. Some good works are clearly seen. Others are not. Selection of elders should not be quick, but careful. We lead to serve the Lord if we don't lead to serve man. This is the biggest difference between church leadership and other leadership. You know, we, we have elections in churches, but... Just because the majority rules does not mean the majority is right. We lead and we elect leaders, Lord willing, according to the word of God. Do they understand the Bible? Do they meditate on it? Do they know it? Do they teach it? Do they reveal it to us? And I'll tell you, that's not an easy thing today because many churches, well, many places have not allowed the Bible to be taught. And that becomes a challenge for us. But I'm telling you, on this program and other places like this, we're teaching the Word of God, the Bible, because that's what we believe. And beloved, that's what we need to remember. Keep the Word of God centered in our lives, guiding our lives today.
1: Welcome back to the program. Today, we continue reading Paul's first letter to Timothy, and in chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, he writes this, "'But you, man of God, flee from all this "'and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, "'endurance, and gentleness. "'Fight the good fight of the faith. "'Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called "'when you made your good confession "'in the presence of many witnesses in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice how Paul reminds Timothy of how Jesus testified and confessed before Pilate that he, Jesus, was the truth. Unfortunately, Pilate cynically questioned the whole nature of truth saying, what is truth? Well, Pilate's response is the response of many people today as well, isn't it? People like this claim that there is no absolute truth, but the truth is whatever we make it. Now, at first this might sound intellectual, but this claim is totally illogical and self-refuting because what's being argued is that it is absolutely true that nothing is true. Now, that's obviously not right. The fact of the matter is that there is a such thing as absolute truth. The question is, what is that truth? What is truth? These famous words uttered by Pilate some 2,000 years ago during our Lord's trial are even more illustrative of the state of our world today. We live in a highly relativistic culture, where truth can be whatever we make it. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. We have become a people who deny absolute truth and absolute authority. Of course, if Jesus had chosen to respond to Pilate's retort, or if Pilate had been willing to listen we can be quite confident of his reply, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Contrary to the wisdom of this world, which is utter foolishness in God's sight, there is a such thing as absolute truth and absolute authority, and his name is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Not only is Jesus the truth absolutely, but as the author of creation, he also has all authority over that creation. Significantly, the Apostle John, in the opening remarks of his gospel, also identifies Jesus as the Word of God. So if Jesus is the truth, the authority, and the Word of God, then by definition, the Word of God, the Bible, is also true and authoritative. Therefore, the whole of Scripture can and should be fully trusted and embraced, even when it flies in the face of the world's so-called wisdom. Sadly, the Church has far too often been willing to wane on Biblical truths in order to satisfy worldly truths, but this is backwards. Rather than submitting the scriptures to the ideas of man, every idea of man must come into complete submission to the scriptures, because scripture is authoritative and true. Indeed, many worldly so-called facts have been overturned throughout history, but the Bible has remained in truth. God has said in his word that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Thus, rather than fearing men, may we only fear God and boldly and unashamedly stand firm on the word of God. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. So Jesus spelled it out clear as day. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't just tell the truth, he is truth. Despite the claims of Pilate and those after him, there is a such thing as absolutes. The truth isn't what we make it. It's what God says it is. God has made his truths crystal clear in his word, and we as the Church of Jesus Christ need to stand firm on those truths. This isn't the time for the body of Christ to be submitting to what the world says is or isn't true. We need to wake up because time is running out, and the world needs to know the way, the truth, and the life. It's time to stop letting the world influence the church. The church has to rise up and be the one to influence the world because it's a matter of life and death.
0: I think the truth, it's important, Ryan, to remember that truth is transitioning from spiritual to physical, and it's both. it's true in both worlds. And that's the Word of God, it's eternal. And so, uh, that's objective truth. And I Mm -hmm. think that's very, very critical, very interesting. Yeah,
1: and often God will use, Jesus will use physical realities to explain spiritual realities Of course, in the parables and everything else, and and I love that, how he does that. Absolutely.
2: Janice? Well, and I, I appreciate, Ryan, what you were saying, that the church is supposed to be something that influences the world, not the world influencing the church. And I think we've seen a lot of that influence flow in uh, to the church, sadly, and we need to rise up and remember that Christ is the head of the church. We are a family of God. Paul talks about it here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he's talking about the treatment of church members. He's talking about, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. We are a family, and we need to remember that. And, you know, there are There is not a perfect church. Uh, The church that you attend, it's not perfect because it's made up of people. And we are all in various stages of life. It reminded me of something. Our daughter, Corey, who's usually sitting where our special guest Richard is today, (laughs) is on maternity leave for a little while because she just had her third son. So that family dynamic has changed. What do I mean? Well, like the church body, you know, you have people that are in the church who have been a part of the church, who have followed the Lord Jesus for many, many years, and they have learned, but you know what? Nobody has arrived. We're still learning. We're still reading the Bible and learning things. And then we have new people coming in who have never heard the gospel before and maybe just gave their hearts to the Lord last Sunday. And so they are now on that faith journey. They are learning how to follow Jesus and Holy Spirit will help them as they draw near to God, God will draw near to them. So there's all kinds of different aspects, just like Corey bringing a new baby home. I was so blessed to be there as nanny when they brought, when Corey and Matlock brought baby Wesley home to Emerson, who is older brother at five, and Matthias, who is younger brother at three. And they were so excited to see Wesley. And all Matthias, the three-year-old, could say is, Oh, he's so cute. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, he's so cute. And Emerson was the big brother. Can I hold him, please? And that was his job over the next few days. But as the days went on, as the days have gone on they have seen that Wesley lives there now and Wesley can be he can cry in the middle of the night and wake you up and he has diapers to change and sometimes mommy is now busy and and things the dynamic of family has changed and yet as a family we need to learn to work with each other and Things change and it's the same with the church we need to remember that that we are a family and that we need to have grace and patience with each other and as we seek God first and love him first he will help us to learn to have that grace and that patience and to to be a real family the way God intended it to be
0: you know a lot of people Janice it's important because a lot of people like their church and they don't like it to get much bigger Mm -hmm. or small they just like their church don't anybody come in don't anybody leave we're just our church and that's that's a problem because because God is always growing us he 's
2: growing us always always and, growing
0: you know we need to we need to pay attention because the Lord is seeking for other people to come into the church. He sets the solitude and family as the family of God, and we need to think about okay well, what does that mean i 've got to work to make sure that you know uh, we include people and we bring them in so invite people into your church and uh, make them a part of it it 's
2: very, very interesting. Uh, we brought somebody into our church years and years ago. We, in fact, we did. And he's sitting right here. He is with here. Us. And, and his name is
0: Richard Bagrat. And he's a great
2: influence. And, yes,
0: for Creation Ministries International <laughs> Canada. It's a great ministry. Welcome, Richard. Good to have you here.
3: Glad to be back.
0: Yesterday, we talked about your discovery and we talked about you learning how to explain the Bible and day. We talked about yom. We talked yes. about day in the Bible. Yes. So. Yep. My question is, and this is a really good one, is I want to ask this question first. I brought you into the church, and that was 2003. Oh, my goodness. Almost. <laughs>
3: that's, yeah.
0: Do you realize how long that is? Yeah. <laughs> that's like 20. I was going to say tenure,
3: <laughs> 10 years, almost 10 years. That's almost 20. It's almost yeah. Almost yeah. So 20 years
2: it's like right? 19 ago.
0: 19 years <laughs> ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. 19 years. It's a funny <laughs> how things, anyway. Uh, and, and you came in and you did a seminar. All of that. Ryan, do you remember that?
1: I, I do, I remember it very well. Cause I mean, similar to you, I grew up in the church and I was never really faced with questions about origins and, and, and the specifics of all all these things. So, right. but yeah. I had started to kind of question myself. Well, did God use evolution? Did God use deep time? Did he use all of these things? And Natural I to, questions. Yeah, I yep. started to question it because, you know, I, I, I had read it so many times. And then it was a few years later, I kind of tucked those things away. Then a few years later you guys came to the church and you had an incredible conference and speakers and it was like a light went on at that point. And I remember going upstairs afterwards and there was just tables and tables of resources, books and and all sorts of things and I think I I think I got one of each <laughs> book and I just read them all and uh it was amazing.
0: I remember when yeah. you came home it was stacked up. Yeah. You had tons of resources, and the, the seminar was outstanding. You had yourself and uh, some other people there, and uh, my question is, today, we have these days, these six days of creation, right? And it seems like such a quick time. Like God did that in 24 hours, like or not 24 hours, but half that time, like, what? That's so quick. And it's hard to believe because we're geared for, you know, a million years or two million years. And this happened another three million years and plants came up. So how did you deal with that? And how do you deal with the idea of dinosaurs being made in the world? 40 minutes worth of content. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Um,
3: there are many time statements in the Bible and God often um, Uh, just thinking of time and so on, God often uh, uh, accelerates time. Uh, You can can probably think of a number of different things where God, he stopped the sun in one example, which means he stopped the rotation of the earth. Um, Another instance, he sped up the fermentation process of grape juice Hmm. or eventually water and then grape juice and then wine. And so there are many time statements in Genesis and they're miraculous. God is operating, God is augmenting or adding to, if you like, the laws that he's put in place that govern the normal operation of his universe. and But that doesn't mean that God at any point can't step in and modify those for a purpose. If God would do that, the Hebrews says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's a good basis for doing science. Because if Zeus and his gang were in charge or whatever, or there were different gods that were warring between themselves all the time, how could you do science? How could you expect the laws that science tries to discern by doing experiments and so on? Why would you expect them to remain the same? One day gravity pulls this way and then somebody else is in charge in the heavens and gravity pulls that way the next day. You, you can't do experiments like that. You can't do science. But we can do science because God state God is the same. But that doesn't mean that he can't do miracles in his creation. Creation is a miracle. Changing water into wine is a miracle. Uh, causing the plants to grow rapidly on day three is a miracle. They don't he he, he, it's like a time lapse, right? Mm -hmm. God sped up the growth of those plants on day three of creation. He could have done everything instantly. I mean, why not? Why? Just bang. It's there. Done. But he spread it out over six days, and Exodus 20 gives us a big clue as to why. Exodus 20 is where the Ten Commandments are given. He did it in six days as a pattern for our work week, specifically associated with keeping the Sabbath day holy. It's a day of rest as he rested from creation. So there's a reason why he chose to do it in six days. He could have chosen to do it in any time period he wanted to, but he chose to do it in six days.
0: And Jesus Christ uh, refers to this when he's on earth. And he says, as it says in the beginning, and Moses wrote and all of that. And so it's not that uh, Jesus Christ is the son of God. Yes. And he is God. Yeah. And so you got to think that through because I, I remember somebody saying to me, well, yeah, well, when Jesus was born, he, did, he didn't he did know all the things we know today. And I'm like, you've no idea. Jesus Christ is God. He yes. knew everything. So um, it's a miracle. Creation is a miracle. Yes. No matter which way you cut that.
3: Yes. Yeah. You can't science it out. You you can't. There's no scientific principle that causes uh, uh, speech. God said, "Let there be light." To turn into photons, that's, that doesn't work. It's it's a miracle. It's supernatural. Well,
0: oh, that's very interesting. Nature. On the next program, we'll talk more about this and some others. So again, call your friends and everybody and get them focused here. Go go to the internet and check out the previous programs because you'll like them. And if you're on the internet, the the next program won't come until the next day, because that's the way we release it. But and they should check out their website. What well. your ministry uh, website Creation.com. Creation.com.
3: Creation. That's com. Simple. easy. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Creation.com. Go there and uh, learn, and uh, it's great. I want to encourage you wherever you're at in the world, maybe you're in Europe, maybe you're in Africa, it doesn't matter, maybe you're in Australia, join us on Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, 3.30 to 4.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time, and we're going to have a live prayer meeting. We do that on Facebook, YouTube, and we also do that on BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Right now we pray, Lord, I pray for your church worldwide, that we follow you by the power of your Holy Spirit, amen.